Now, let, I'm talking today about uh, God's house of glory. God's house of glory. Uh, for several weeks now, I've kept on hearing in my heart the glory of God. The glory of God. It's been coming up in my prayer time. I have had phrases like, pray for my glory. Pray for my glory. I know I started a message two weeks ago uh, about maturing believers, which Brother Francis even continued this past Sunday. But I, I believe the glory of God has to do with uh, maturity. And I'll show you from the scripture. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 25 to 27. It says, uh, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he, may, he might present, look at this on verse 27, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that we should be, we, she should be holy and without blemish, and I want to read that from the Passion Translation of that verse 27. It says, all that he does, meaning Christ, all that Christ does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure. All that Christ does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure. That's maturity. Until we become a source of praise to him. Hallelujah. A praise in church. A mature church. A praise in church. Worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth. And he says, until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant. Hallelujah. You know, when you start talking about, G uh, about heaven and you start thinking about uh, Jesus, you think about the glory of God. Think about the splendor. It's brighter than this light over here. It's a splendor. The glory. The majesty. The beauty. The holiness. And then he says this. Without fault or flaw. And in John 11.40. John 11.40. He said Jesus said to Martha. You remember the story of uh, Lazarus. And and and. When he said, I'm the life, I'm resurrection. And then in verse 40, Jesus said to, to Martha, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And then the Passion Translation says this. Jesus looked at her and said, Didn't I tell you that if you believe in me, you will see, listen to this, God's unveil his power. God unveiling his power. That's the glory. God unveiling his power. So then, just like we have any promise in the word, the word of God, whatever the promise is, there has to be believing. We have to believe. Listen, the glory of God, the same thing, we have to believe the word of God to see the glory of God. It's the will of God for us to be able to see the glory of God. Let me give you an example from the word. Just as it is, the will of God for everyone to be born again, to be saved, 
The Bible says God desires all men may be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Are all men saved? No. Has that changed the will of God from any, any the, the, the open, you know, the, what do, do I say? Uh, that it's an open check for anyone who will feel to be received salvation. Has that changed? It hasn't changed. It's available. Salvation is available to everyone. Let me say this um, then concerning the glory of God. Jesus says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. This is what it means. It's available. It's available. Let me take some more over here. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Rain, rain, rain. That means the glory of God is available for every believer. For every single person. But just like salvation, the Bible says, with a heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So we must also believe to see the glory of God in our lives, in his house, in our generation. Then, having said that, I want you to activate your faith as you hear the word of God. You know, sometimes we are more aware of what is happening around us than what is happening in the supernatural realm. I'm telling you, if you have ever had an encounter with God, the natural ceases uh, to exist for some time. Because you find that the supernatural takes over and you are no longer conscious of what is happening around you except him alone that paid the price for you. His name is Jesus Christ. I remember the mama who, pay, who prayed for me and... Um, Actually, that I made a decision to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, she cast out devils out of me. But she told me for several times uh, during that time, uh, that was in 1996, I think 1995, it had happened either 1996, 1995. The Lord appeared to, to her several times. And one evening, she was holding a small baby, her own baby, and I think a few months old. And then she says, the Lord spoke to her, and the glory of God just filled where she was. I think it was in her kitchen. And then she said this. She told the Lord, Lord, today you are not going to leave me. I'm going with you. And then the Lord told her, what's that you are holding in your hands? Then she realized she had a baby. She said, I forgot completely about anyone else when I had the Lord. Hey, that's the glory. That's the glory. That everything else ceases. I usually say this. The, the anxiety and care and uncertainty is because the, past, the focus is on those things, on the natural, and not on God. When our focus is on God, when our focus is his glory, there will be no anxiety. In fact, the scripture says this, to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life 
and peace. When we are consumed with the heavenly things, with the, the, the glory of God available to his people, I'm telling you, we'll forget even about our needs. But the amazing thing is this, our needs shall be met. Hallelujah. Why? Because our needs are met according to his riches. Riches in where? Glory. So in the glory there is provision. In the glory there is healing. In the glory there is deliverance. And, and that's why Martha was told by Jesus, this one thing is needful. Martha, Martha, you are concerned about other things. But this one thing is needful, to sit in his presence, to sit, to bask in his glory, and you and me, your needs are all fully met. Hallelujah. Say the glory of God is my answer. The Bible talks about the riches in glory. The riches of his glory. The riches is in his glory. Then that is my answer. That is your answer. Uh, and therefore, we must have a way of thinking that focuses on the glory of God, which is actually the manifest presence of God. And I like the way the Passion Translation says, the unveiling of his power. That goes in line with what Dr. Jerry Saville came and taught us some, was it last year or the, the year before, that Lord, show us your glory, your manifest presence, your power, and your goodness. Say, Lord, show me your glory, your manifest presence, your power, and your goodness. That's the glory of God. In John 14, I want you to see how it is the will of God for us to, to see the glory of God. In John 14, verse 20 to 23 from the Amplified Bible, he says this, At that time, when that day has come, when that day comes, this is the time, this is, these, are the day that we are, these are the days that we are living. You will know for yourselves, Jesus said that I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And then he says this, and whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show, but that's not all from the Amplified Version says, show, and it says, reveal, 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 that's revelation, reveal, and it says this, manifest, manifest, manifest. What is that? That's the glory of God, manifested, manifestation. It says, reveal, manifest myself to him, and this is powerful, church. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Hallelujah. That, is, that has brought us in the new covenant in a place of glory than even Moses asking God, God, show me your glory. Jesus saying this, I will reveal myself to you. I will manifest myself to you. I will let myself be clearly seen by you and make myself real to you. Is that the will of God? 
people. Is that the will of God? Then I can authoritatively say this. God is not hiding himself from his people. God hasn't kept the glory for himself. He's given to his people. In fact, in fact, the Bible says in, in, a, in Psalm chapter 8, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him? You have crowned him with glory and honor. God is not, re, 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 is not hiding himself from his people. God wants to manifest himself to you. To make himself be real to you. And nothing else matters. Come on, people. Hallelujah. And then Judas, not Iscariot, of course, <laughs> asked him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself, make yourself real to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word, obey my teaching, and listen to this, and my father... We love him and the father of glory is saying this. And we will come. And we will come to him and make our home. Abode. Special dwelling place with him. Wow. Think about God living in your house. That changes your estate. Come on now. Amen. That change, that brings in ownership. Because if he's in, living in your house, there'll be no debt. Hallelujah. There'll be no debt. God has come in and he says this, I will come. And Jesus said this, we will come and make our home. Abode. Special dwelling place with him. My goodness. He says this. We're coming with the glory of God. We're coming to manifest, to make real ourselves to you so that we are, uh, you, we are your house partner. Amen? Would you want to have a house, I mean, uh, when you are growing up, not, not the partners that they are bringing in nowadays. You understand? Nowadays you have to be very careful of how to say about a partner. But our time when you are growing up, you know, in the 80s, you, you may share a house with someone nowadays is so wicked. Even if you see two men sharing the house, you are not sure what they are doing. Come on now. That's the, the perversion of the world. <laughs> you know, nowadays even telling people, because when you are growing up, I mean, you shared bed with my cousins. My, you know, we grew up, we came to a certain age. You go, you stay with a friend, and you have only one bed, and you share a bed. I've done that to so many of my friends. Nowadays, it's because, look at this. What has changed is this, is the perversion that has infiltrated the world. But there was nothing wrong to do that. At least on my side, I don't know about you. Maybe you had your own six by six bed. We didn't. But look at this. God says this. We're coming in and to be a house partner with you. Amen. How is it that if you had a house partner that had a lot of riches and was generous towards you, 
you'll have no lack. Because you are dwelling with the right person. God says, I will come and make, we'll come, we will come and make our home abode special dwelling with you. Isn't this then, having an understanding that Old Testament was a shadow of things to come, is very important for us to receive the wisdom of God and to know his ways in this dispensation, as we call it, the church era. So I want us to focus on some things that happened in the old covenant. I want us to go to Exodus chapter 40 about the tabernacle of Moses in the wilderness. Exodus chapter 40. Uh, from verse 33. So this is Moses has been given instructions by God to build the tabernacle. Uh, I mean to, to erect the, the tabernacle in the wilderness. And verse 33 says this, And he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Mark those words. So Moses finished the work. Then verse 34, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. Let, let me read verse 38. But look at this. Uh, the tabernacle was for who? It was for God. You know, a house built has to be occupied. Is that so? When you build your house, you occupy it. You, you move into it. But then, the tabernacle was for the Lord. And so to speak, the occupier came in. And when he came in, he filled the whole tabernacle with his presence. I want you to see that. He came in, he came to dwell his house because it had been prepared for him. He came in to dwell his house. He came with his glory. For the cloud of the Lord, verse 38, was above the tabernacle by day and, and by day and fires over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. If you build your house, definitely you occupy it because it's your house. But God says this, you have built a tabernacle, then I'm coming in to occupy it. Remember this. Remember this, church. Uh, what happened was that Moses was given the pattern of how to build that tabernacle or to erect that tabernacle. He was given by God the plan. And the amazing thing when you look at several chapters in the book of Exodus, he was in the glory of God. And it was in the glory of God that he was given the pattern. He was shown how to erect that tabernacle. All the details came from the glory of God. Listen, that's where plans are received by believers. It's in the glory of God that the plans come. The details concerning your life of how you and I ought to live should come from the presence of God. You spend time in his presence and you see exactly what he has desired 
or what is his plan for your life and do you walk in it? And look at this. I call it rubber stamp or a seal. A seal of you having done exactly what he has asked you to do is his presence, is his glory. A seal of having done whatever he has told you to do and accomplish it is his presence. And listen, if his presence is, there is his provision. If there is his presence, there is every kind of favor. Remember about the glory of God, his manifest presence, his power, and his goodness. Every favor comes in from his presence. Do you have something that you are struggling with doing in your life? Maybe you began a project and doesn't seem like to move in, to move forward. Go back into the presence of God. Ask him. Ask him in this manner. Am I doing my own thing or are you involved, Lord? And if I'm not, you are not involved, I ask you to forgive me. Because I want to do your plans. I want to do your purposes. Do you know what happens actually? The glory of God fills there. All the kind of favors that you need, you'll find they've come right in on time and you'll accomplish it if that's the will of God for you. Listen, all struggles, all struggles ceases in his glory. All struggles are man-made. And many times a devil influence, influence man's thinking until there's a struggle. All struggle. People, God didn't call us to struggle, to struggles. You're not anointed for struggles. Come to me, all those who labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All struggles don't come from heaven. They are man-made. Man influenced by the devil. And, and many, and several of them, uh, church, is out of uh, disobedience. Because look at this, Moses finished all the work as he had been told by God. And when God was giving him instructions, he told him this, do according to all that I showed you in the mountain. So do you know it's so easy? Can I, can I simplify your life? If you're having struggles in a certain area, stop it. Go, go, go back and start asking the Lord. Seek him. Seek him. Ask him, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Forgive me. I humble myself before you. I ask you, Father, to tell me what am I supposed to do? If you're walking in disobedience, you come to a place of repentance and there comes the glory. There comes the glory. Hallelujah. There comes the glory. And when it comes in, no more struggles. No more uncertainty. No more not knowing what to do. Listen, in the glory, you will know what to do. Can you think about God dwelling in your house and you don't know what to do? You can't even imagine that way. The wisdom of God is knowing what to do at a given situation. Any given situation, knowing what to do is what makes the difference. All right, I thought we had three hours this morning.
<laughs> no sooner had I begun than I'm finishing. Second Chronicles chapter 5. Now this is now the temple. It's called the temple of David. Of course, it was built by his son, uh, Solomon. And David had provided all that was needed to build the, the house of the Lord. Look at verse 1. So all the work, all the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. Is that, does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? All the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. That, that for me is like, you know, when you're talking about maturing believers, that's continuing to mature. Let's continue to mature. And Solomon brought in the things which his father David had dedicated, the silver and the gold and all the furnishings, and he put them in the treasuries of the house of God. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief, father, chief fathers of the children of Israel in Jerusalem, that they might bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord upon the city of David, which is Zion. Therefore, all the men of Israel assembled with the king of the feast, which was in the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came and the Levites took up the ark. Then they brought in the ark, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. And then, let's see. Because of time, let's go to verse 11. And it came to pass, when the priest came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who are present had sanctified themselves without keeping, without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites who are with the singers, all those who of Asaph and Haman and Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, string instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests, sounding with trumpets. And look at verse 13. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. That's one accord. That's what we find also in the book of, uh, in the book of uh, Acts. To make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice to the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, let's say it together. For he is good. Say it again. For he is mercy. What happened? That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. You see that? The work had been finished. Listen, something that you need to know about praise and worship, church. That's why we must press in pressing into worshiping the Father in spirit and truth. Praise and worship provokes God's presence. This team is important. That's why you need to be praying for them. And you're important too to come in with a shout of praise and honor. To, through the Lord, so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled 
the house of God. Hallelujah. His house ought to be filled with his glory. Can I tell you how easy uh, uh, it, it will be for us to experience his glory? When we are more conscious of him than anything else. When we are more conscious of his will, of his purposes than anything else. That's what makes the difference. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now, having said that, I think we may have to continue next week because of, because of time. But let me go back into some few things over here. In verse 13, Indeed, that it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, now that's, that's what it is, lifting up our voices with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. No wonder I like saying it every day. God, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good and his mercy endures forever. Can you say it together? For his, for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Say it together again. For his good, for his mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Now let me say something here, and then we'll continue next time. From uh, 1 Peter, First Peter, look at verse 4. Are you there? First Peter chapter 4. He tells us in the new covenant. Coming to him as to a living stone. Coming to him as to a living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. Okay, you see that? Are being built up a spiritual house. We've read in the book of Exodus, and we have read also in, in, um, in Second Chronicles, and we saw the, the pattern here. Every time there was a finished work, the house of God, God filled his house with his presence. And Apostle Peter is telling us this, Coming to him, coming to Jesus as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones. And the beauty of it is this, we are not a tent. Like we saw in the, in the book of Exodus, we are not a tent. We are not stones like they are made of these buildings. The Bible calls us living stones. You are living stones. Not David Livingstone, but a living stone. You understand? Living stone. And then he says this. 
living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Don't you know that if you are a living stone and are being built up by a spiritual house, don't you know that you ought to be filled with the glory of God? Don't you know that he's coming into his house to fill his house? To fill you with his presence. To fill you with his glory. And when you gather together, there is an explosion of the glory of God. And then he says this, there also, therefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to, to, to shame. Let's go also to Ephesians chapter 1. Sorry, Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 20. Let me see if I can read it out from the Amplified Bible. Ephesians 2 verse 20. Rain, rain, rain. Glory to God. Ephesians 2 from verse 20. Uh, let's start from verse 19. Therefore, you are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants, and aliens excluded from the rights of citizens. But now, you now share citizenship with the saints, God's own people, consecrated and set apart for himself. And you belong to God's own household. Hallelujah. And listen to this. You are built... Upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined, bound, welded, together harmoniously, that is in unity. Remember that in, in, uh, in the, what we saw in the temple, uh, in the building of the temple. And it continues to rise, grow, increase into a holy temple in the Lord a sanctuary dedicated, consecrated, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. Listen to verse 22. In him, and in fellowship with one another, you yourself also are being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode, a dwelling place of God in, by, through the Spirit. That's you. That's you. You are the house of God's glory. You are the temple of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is called what? The Spirit of glory. And that's what you are supposed for you and I to be, to be on a daily basis.